my brother uh, had to take his wife, Jen, um, to the emergency room this past week. And uh, I don't know if it's complications or things happened because um, a couple weeks ago they took out 60% of her liver and then the cancer that was within her colon. So they went and uh, it seems as though things are doing better, but if you could still pray for Jen, that was kind of a scary moment just going to the emergency room after such a serious uh, surgery. Um, and so just be praying for them. And I know for several of us, we have different burdens and things that we we really hope God cares about because they really matter to us. And sometimes we kind of doubt because God hasn't fixed it yet. And uh, we can trust God. We just have to pray that people respond in obedience to God. And um, whenever somebody asks, like, Jeff, how can I pray for you? I answer, like, wisdom, because I want to be like Solomon. So if I say wisdom, then maybe I'll get the money, I'll get the power and everything to the side. But God knows my motives. And so uh, I say vision. And then I was reminded of this song as well of, man, we need God as our vision. And I think that answers a lot of the requests as we, as we seek him. But let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you care about what we're going through. And Father, we just are so um, grateful that you are not scared off by our questions or by us prone to wander, but that you care and that you love and that you help and that you have a plan and a way prepared for us that we might take the next step forward, that we might encounter your truth and what you desire. So let us not just give up and walk away and turn our backs on you, but may we seek your face and desire you to know of the same, to see what breaks your heart and to have great pain for those that are without you. So, Father, we just give you praise. We thank you. And, Father, we just pray for those that call Living Hope their church, that you would encourage them today, whether they're online or they're on vacation. We just ask that they would just sense your presence and know you are with them. We thank you, Father, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. And sometimes uh, I think it's good to stand because it kind of wakes you up. So if I see people sleeping mid-service, I might ask you to stand. So don't look around and see who's sleeping, but uh, just just to stay awake. We want to be on our toes. Um, prayer requests can be uh, emailed to uh, Stacy Granfield if you'd like to be added to the Thursday prayer outline. She emails a guided prayer outline with a few songs, but then some prayer requests. And I think it's a great way to pray together, even though at night might not be at the same time. And so that's a way we can do that. We do thank you for your continued giving and tithes and offerings. It allows us to be the church and to help and serve others. And uh, we're just grateful for those things, whether it's um, online, the Be Generous tab at Hope for Vermont, or mailing checks directly to the campus or giving in the bags um, on that table. There's one in the back as well. So we continue in Acts this week, and it's the second book that Dr. Luke wrote. And he wrote, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, he's writing to his friend, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And so the theme for me is, who am I learning from? Who are my mentors? Who are people that I invite their criticism into my life? Maybe you have people that they give you advice, they critique some things you do, but you did not ask them for their opinion at all. And you're like, why are you sharing your, I have people. And so I'm trying to focus on like, I'll hear your opinion. It's like uh, eating fish, eat the meat throughout the bones. It's like, I, I didn't ask for your opinion, but for some reason you felt like God wanted you to share it. So I'll just, but uh, we're supposed to be learning from people, walking with people and investing in 
other people. I'm trying to figure out who those people are in my life. And I just want to encourage you to do the same because the book of Acts was written for the sole purpose. Dr. Luke was saying, we need to tell people what Jesus has done so that good news can go out. So people can know that he is for us, that people that either celebrated or protested the decision that was made last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, they can know that God is for them, that God loves us, that God has a plan for our lives. And that is the reason why hopefully we come to church in part. I golfed with a friend and uh, it was kind of funny. I actually golfed with two friends. Well, they're pastors. I don't know if they're really friends, but they're, I call them friends. So we golf with two guys that are pastors and it came up that one guy was asked what he did all week. And this is the ongoing joke of pastors. Like you only work one day, but he was like, so you only work one day a week. What do you do with the rest of your week? And he said, I tried to explain, but I actually opened up my Google calendar on my phone and said, well, this is what I do. I have this appointment, this counseling session. I have to go to this hospital visit. This is my study time. This is, and the person who asked the pastor, he was just amazed. He's like, wow, you really do fill your week with doing things instead of just playing golf. So anyway, uh, it was just kind of an interesting uh, story. But we go to the end of Luke, his first book. And what did he conclude with? What is he trying to reiterate to Theophilus? He said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Another pastor, the other pastor that was golfing with us, he had somebody in his church say, I can never read the Bible again. And he said, why? And this individual said, because I can never understand it like you teach it. Do I have to go to seminary? Because I don't want to go to seminary. I'm just going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to stop reading the Bible and I'm going to let you explain it to me. And he said, I learned instead of going so deep in the Greek or the original language or things that made people feel overwhelmed, just to say, hey, just pray that God would open our minds to understand the scripture because the Bible is just so relevant and true. And with that, if you're just trying to start reading the Bible, do not start in Genesis. Maybe like the first chapter of Genesis, that's great. Creation, hey, this is awesome. But soon after you, so do not start with Genesis, but pray that God would open our minds to understand the scripture. And he said, yes, it was written long ago about the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name. This message would be proclaimed. This message would be told. How will they hear if they have not heard? How will they hear if somebody preaches to them? These are your friends. If you invite them, hey, come to church and hear a sermon, they might come and hopefully they do because they respect you and your friendship. But that's not what this is talking about. We can proclaim Christ in our lifestyle that the title of Christ says this is the one that has authority that loves us dearly. 
you are all witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. I've promised you something that's going to fill you with power, but you need to wait for it. It's not something you could just step into. If you are a high school athlete in one day, God has a plan for you to be a professional athlete. You can't just go from a high school athlete to a professional athlete. There are steps. There's development. There's a whole process process. And sometimes we want all of God's goodness right now. And the fact is you couldn't control it. You couldn't handle it. I could not deal with all of God's goodness right now. It'd be so overwhelming. I probably could barely pick myself up off the floor because we would just be worshiping God that he would just trust me with so much of him. Verse 50, then Jesus led them to Bethany, which means house of the poor and afflicted, if you're just wondering. I don't know if that's prophetic. Sorry, Beth. But um, house of the poor and afflicted, and they lifted his hands to the heaven, and he blessed them. And we would say, God, bless me. This is amazing. God, you're with me. You came back from the dead. You're resurrected. You spent time. You uh, made me breakfast uh, on the beach. You cooked fish. It was just a wonderful time. You blessed me. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. They spent all of their time in the temple praising God after Jesus blessed them and left them. Well, I think we'll get to it in a little bit, Acts 1.8, going back to the first chapter of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power, be witnesses, and tell people about me everywhere. So if you don't understand the context or what Luke was saying in his first book and then reiterating to Theophilus in the second book, I'll try to help. How did you hear about Jesus loving you? This is a great topic that I really enjoy around a campfire. So not to dissuade anybody from coming Saturday morning, like, oh, I, I don't want to share. Well, you don't have to, unless I know you, then I might say, hey, Greg, nobody's sharing. Do you mind sharing? But uh, I won't do that with everybody. But also when we have s'mores, like there's only so many s'mores you can eat. You have to like take a breath sometime. And then during that time taking a breath, you might be asked, like, can you just share like, who told you about Jesus? How did you become a Christian? What led you to take those steps? Was it a crisis of belief of somebody passed away? Was it something severe in life where uh, something happened and that brought you to Jesus? Or was it the constant witness or example of a parent, of a praying grandmother, of someone in your life? That How did you hear about Jesus? And on the flip, who have you showed or shared or told about your experience? Ooh, I, mean, I think it would just be so interesting to hear. And I know a few months ago, maybe even years ago, people were, a couple people said, it'd be awesome to lead someone to the Lord this year. This is like my New Year's resolution. I want somebody to know the salvation of Jesus, and I want to be able to share it. And like, who have you told? Who are you praying for these opportunities? Because God, well, too often I pray, God, open a door. And God's like, the open door is 
Well, it would be right in front of you, except you're going this way and I want you to go this way. So if you turn and adjust your life, if you start to follow me, you'll see that open door. So instead of praying for an open door, when you're going in the wrong direction, just follow me and go in the correct direction and you'll see the open door that I have for you. And you can tell and share and show that experience of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. Acts 1, 9 through 10, after saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. Two white robed men suddenly stood among them before these two white robed men, these angels, they strained to see him. If you had three minutes with one person who's passed away, what would that three minutes look like? If you had three minutes with that person that you love that has passed away, and just picture with me, I don't know if it would happen this way, but for the sake of the story, like Jesus was close and he's ascending and he's going higher. And so as he gets further away, he's getting smaller. Is it like, oh, it's kind of blurry. I'm not going to look at him anymore. Or, well, he's not really face to face. I can't see his eye color. I can't feel his breath. I can't, well, you know, it's okay. With that person that you love, if you had three minutes with them and they start to ascend and they start to say, I'll see you soon. If they start to say, I can't wait to have you with me in heaven. If they start to say, are you hanging on every word? Are you straining and looking? And as they're so minute, so minuscule, are you still looking and staring and gazing and straining just for one more minute, one more moment, one more sense of time with that person? I think that's what these disciples were doing when Jesus was leaving because Jesus died, then Jesus resurrected, and they were so happy, and they were excited, and they were filled with joy. And then Jesus said, I'm going to give you a gift, and this gift is going to be amazing, but I got to leave you. Like, what? No, not again. So I don't want to give the disciples a hard time when these two angels that they get to be with Jesus all the time. They're like, hey, he's coming back with me. What are you guys worried about? Just move on with your life. Do what he said. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? It's like, because I love the guy. Because he just came back to life. Because he cooked me breakfast. Because he cares about me. Because he's trying to help me. Because he accepted me when no rabbi ever chose me to be a follower. No one ever thought I was worthy to be a disciple. But this guy, he thought I was worthy. This guy, he said I had value. That I was something. I belonged to him. Well, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven. In the same way you saw him go. He's coming back. He's coming back, but yeah, but there's the waiting. I think I've shared before, Levi Lusco, he's a pastor in Montana, and his uh, daughter at the time, I think she was six, maybe she was four, uh, she died. She had an asthma attack, and he was the one actually giving her the heart compressions when she passed away. And he tells every day, and he has the number, that since she passed, is one day closer to seeing her again. Every day that you live and you mourn and you're filled with sorrow, you're a day closer to seeing them again. I don't know why I'm that emotional. It's just kind of exciting. Like, you just think about what God has done and the hope that we have. And we still have to struggle on earth. And it doesn't make sense. And, like, why can't we just, like, be reunited with our loved ones that love Jesus and get to heaven 
Well, because Jesus still has a mission and a plan for us now. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, about a half uh, mile away. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Maybe these are like baby names. I don't know why you listed them all, but maybe you're like, hey, I want a good uh, Christian baby name. Well, maybe this is a list that you can go through. Bartholomew, anybody know any Bartholomews? Grow up with a Bartholomew? Hey, let's bring him back if you uh, are married and have kids. Verse 14, they all met together. And we're constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. The brothers of Jesus included James, who wrote, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know it develops perseverance. The several other women, one commentary said it could have been uh, some of the disciples' wives. And I was like, oh, they had wives? Like, I, I never thought they had wives, but I, I guess some of them did. And it was just, anyway, read the Bible with all five senses. Don't just like limit. So like, oh, I got to finish because this is a chapter day. keeps the devil away. It's like you got to read the Bible to understand. But they met together and were constantly united in prayer. Met together and were constantly united in prayer. So not to be answered out loud, but how many churches do you pass on your drive here every Sunday? Not to be answered out loud, how many churches do you pass on your drive here every Sunday? And so I ask because one thing that we found is during the pandemic, people that used to attend here found other local churches, which is good, which is good, especially if it's in their community so they can reach out to their community, be lifted up in their community. So I say this because meeting together is so important, but meeting together is so God can use us. It's not so that we can feel good about ourselves. It's so God can use us, not so that we can feel good about ourselves. So if there's a church that God is leading you, a local church, and you feel like, man, I can invest, I can really take part, I can uh, just grow in my faith, and I want to be a part of that place then yes, go there and you might lose a relationship or a friendship because it's just hard. But I have to believe with a population, even of Vermont, that used to have more cows than it did people, there's still enough people to fill the churches here in Vermont. So if we cared about people, instead of just caring about us, we would want to be used of God instead of just say, feeling good about ourselves. And God would say, meet together and pray for those that are lost, that they might know the hope of who Jesus is. Join constantly means in the Greek, based on the study that I had Adam do before he left. I was glad I had him uh, look this up before he left. It means to be present. They joined, they were present with one another. It's not saying, hey Ezra, how are you? know the people that we're speaking with, that we're spending time with, that we're on mission with? Do we like to understand that you grew up this way? You have this situation. You have this gift that completes the body of Christ. That I understand that I was raised this way. And just because I was raised this way, I don't expect or nor do I desire that you were raised the same way because God says we're the body of Christ. So with your hurt, with your background, with my hurt, with my background, how God healed in your life, how God healed in my life, 
we can present the true healing of Jesus to someone else. They might know that we would be ready, give attention to, spend much time together praying and interceding that they would know who Jesus is. That's what they prayed, that this Holy Spirit, that this mission, this call that God's called us to, we have God's power, but we still have to do our own walking. Well, Jesus, if you're so big, why don't you just do it? Because I'm trusting you to follow me. We've learned to worship on screens and in seats and now take it to the streets. I don't know what's better. I know what I like more, but we've learned to worship and join together on screens and in seats and to the streets. And God is really calling us to not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, that we would gather together, whether it's in the streets, in the seats, or on screens, that people would know that we care about each other, that our hope is not in our wisdom and our opinion and what we've gone through, but it's only because of what Jesus has done to wrap his arms of love around us, to say that you are worthy, you are valuable, that I care for you, that no sin is big enough to keep you away from me. Every sin is forgivable, and my grace cannot be taken advantage of because that is grace. One of my favorite stories, I guess, is a guy told me, like, Jeff, I just feel like I'm taking advantage of God's grace. I've taken it for granted. I just take advantage of it. I take it for granted. I take advantage. And I'm like, isn't that the best thing about grace? Like, it can't be taken advantage of. You can't take it for, that's what grace is. You get what you don't deserve over and over and over and over. That's the grace of God. And right when you experience God's grace, you should say, thank you. And allow the Holy Spirit to change your life, change your focus, so you can see the open doors that he's leading us into. We need each other. And frankly, when the church does not gather together, whether it's on screen, whether it's over a text message, when the church does not gather together, we as a church miss out because we are not functioning as the body of Christ. We have part of the body but there's something missing. And if you just want to remain isolated and say it's me and God, you miss out as well. So when we don't gather together, we miss out. When you don't gather, you miss out. And so am I saying, you have to come, cancel your vacation plans? No, because Jesus wants us to take his message to the streets, wherever we go. But we understand there is a purpose to gather together, to be encouraged. Don't come to church like, oh, well, I just need to get slapped around by Jesus today to keep me through the week. It's not like I have to fill my car with gas once a week and I drive like, 800 miles, like there's no way I'm going to make it through. That's why you have to meet with him daily. That's why you can't just rely on me. I'm glad nobody's ever said that to me. Like, I'm not a scholar. Uh, like, hey, Jeff, you're so deep. Like, I can never study the Bible. It's like, Jeff, you just kind of read the Bible, then you repeat it three times. Like, that, that's pretty easy. It's like, so we have to be in a place where we can grow daily and fill ourselves daily with God's truth so that we can encourage one another because... The day of his return is drawing near, which should be exciting, 
save for the fact of our relatives and friends and those in our community that don't know Jesus. And here in Vermont, they're quick to tell you, hey, if there's a hell, I'm going there. If there's a hell, I'm going there. And they're kind of like proud about it. I was talking with my brother-in-law, Bethany's younger brother, Big Mike, and he was saying it's kind of funny because in the Bible Belt, Grand Rapids, Michigan, is used to be like the Bible Belt of the North. Everybody's a Christian. Like my dad's a Christian. Uh, my great-grandfather, he used to be a pastor. Like my mom prays a lot. So of course I'm a Christian. And you don't know if they're a Christian or not. Like nobody does. So keep that between God and them. But it's kind of like both are kind of scary places to be of like, of course I'm a Christian. Like we, we, we vote Republican and we celebrate Independence Day. Of course I'm a Christian. Or, hey, if there's a hell, I'm going there, so you don't even have to pray for me. Both are dangerous positions to be in. We have to understand that God wants us to be encouraged by his salvation to love each other, that when his conviction comes, we understand it's a place of discipline, not punishment. Conviction, discipline, is to change us, to bring out something better. Punishment is just to say, what you did was bad, and, you know, that's like your third strike, so we have no, no more time for you. But discipline is so that God can say, hey, my grace is enough to take you to the next step to know I love and care for you. So how do I pray? God, give me your vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence is my light. Be thou my wisdom. Be thou my true word, I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, I thy true Son, thou in me dwelling, and I with thee, one. Be thou my shield, and my sword for the fight, and thou my dignity, be thou my might. Though my soul's shelter, and thou my high tower, raise thou me in heavenward, O power of my power. Riches I heed not nor man's empty praise, thou mine inheritance now and always. They say always, but I guess it's always, now and always. Be or thou and thou only, be first in my heart, high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. High king of heaven, when victory won, may I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Still be my vision, O ruler of all. So when we pray, let us pray with God's eyes that see and know that he loves us. So can you imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus, in that room? She had her son, she watched her son, she saw her son brutally beaten and crucified, buried, restored, resurrected with them, doing miracles, being apart, and then leaving. My heart is broken again. I only have you, Jesus, to trust and place my faith. There's nothing else to put your faith. You can try. You can say, I tried Jesus and he failed me. Well, you may have tried Jesus, but he didn't fail you. You just gave up too soon. And giving up with Jesus is always too soon. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart. I worship you. So it's my heart's broken again. 
But what else do I have to turn to? And frankly, when people say, Jeff, you probably need to go back to seminary. I'm like, maybe I do, but I'm not going. They might say, well, Jeff, you need this person's wisdom or you need this person's backing or you need, yes, you need to learn from others. But as arrogant as I sound, as it sounds, all I need is Jesus and all you need is Jesus. And what Jesus does is he brings like-minded people together in community. So we need Jesus, but he uses other people to encourage us, to lift us up so that we can focus and be filled with him as we pray. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women and the brothers of Jesus. They were united in prayer and earnest and humble request for him, his plan, his purpose, his vision, his mission, what he desires, what he wants. Not, well, I would love to see Jay graduate with honors and I would love to see this. You can have dreams for your children, but what we pray for is that God's best is most important in their lives. Don't put what you dream ahead of what God desires. God will use, well, Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart aren't to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. The desires of your heart is to seek Jesus, to desire God. And as you desire God, he's going to bring his goodness out in your life. So we say, not my will, but yours be done as we take the example of Jesus. Not my will, but yours be done. And we could say, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as Jesus has already established it in heaven. When you were formed together in your mother's womb, God knew. Before you were even born, God knew and had a plan for your life. So we say, on Vermont as it is in heaven. In this school, Crossett Brook Middle School, as it is in heaven. Name your town, your location. We pray that God's will would be done there as it is in heaven, that his perfect peace, his salvation would be known. So this song, it's an older chorus. It's kind of funny. Like people uh, get upset. Like you don't sing the old songs anymore. Well, we don't sing the old hymns or we don't sing the old choruses because the old choruses were a little bit hokey and this song is a little bit hokey, but I love the words to it. So, well, we're going to play it and then I'll just close in prayer.
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you see us, and here we are. And as you've called us, send us. So we gather together to be used by you, to go in your strength and in your wisdom, trusting by faith that you know all things, and you do them well. Thank you, Father, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. I guess it's a prayer request. Many of you know that we've been uh, working really, really hard to get the camp open after three years. Uh, It's been a horrendous undertaking. So this last Thursday when we were there, I was really totally discouraged. And... Anyways, long story short, in the morning, things looked better. And we found out that there was a young man that was going to come that morning to help us work. And this young man has had a horrendous life. He was a manager at a Verizon uh, company. And he had a good job making lots of money, but some way lost his way and ended up uh, into drugs. And his life has been totally ruined. 
and he has nothing. He has no job. He has no license. He is struggling every day to desperately get beyond his addiction. And uh, his friend, the, the cook that brought him, uh, said that he needs to keep busy because he wants to keep himself from going back. But anyways, uh, he and Mike worked for four hours. But before he came, Mike and I were sitting in the dining hall having our coffee. And we knew he was coming. And I said to Mike, you know, this is an opportunity for you to show Jesus, to shine into this young man's life. And uh, I believe that's what happened. So you know it's all worthwhile if we're faithful. And I just want you to pray for Chris. That's his name. Mike's already invited him out for some of the services, and I think we'll see him this weekend. But this young man really needs Jesus. And uh, so you forget about the, as James said, the hardships. And you look every day, told Jay the other day, look at every day and every opportunity. Look for Jesus because you'll see him. And there's opportunities to be that shining light for them. So, Jesus, we thank you for Chris and his life. We thank you that he is alive for a reason, that you died, that he might know your salvation. So, Father, we do ask that you would protect him, that he would continue those boundaries that he has set up. But, God, that he would just know you, that you would just give him that freedom, that you would surround him by knowing that whatever he was trying to fill with those things, that he can only get great joy from knowing you. So, God, we just pray for miracles because you are a God of miracle. And we say thank you because of that grace. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And you are dismissed.